Good afternoon to you as we welcome along our vet, Dr. David Tabret. How are you doing today? Very good, thanks, Dave. That is great to have you here, and you've had a good week for the last seven days? Yeah, yeah, no, it's been good. And Denny Boz with us. Hello, Denny. G'day, Dave. How's it all going? All right. Fantastic, thank you, mate. Excellent. What have we got lined up today? You've got a topic for us? Yeah, look, I know we've got a busy show, but if we get a chance, um, August is Pet Dental Health Month in Australia, so wanted to update people about those uh, concerns about their pet's teeth. Two special guests today. One of them is Dr. Harry Cooper from Better Homes and Gardens. We'll talk to Dr. Harry around 12.30. And another guest, we're talking to Shane this afternoon. Shane from the Hunter Wetlands, and he's going to talk to us about their new pet that arrived not long ago. Guess what it is, Dave? What is it? Crocodile. Ooh, that's oh, talking be about good. crocodiles. <laughs> yeah. That'll be good. We'll talk about that. That's all coming away for Pet Chat this afternoon. Look, I hope you've got your galoshes on. I think we're heading over to the Hunter Wetlands, aren't we, Denny? Snap, snap, snap. Not crocodiles. Dad, tell me it's crocodiles snapping at our heels. <laughs> How would you like to have a crocodile for a pet, David? Oh, no, no, no. As no. long as they're small. What they about grow small too big. One? Oh, they do. You've got a lot of teeth. <laughs> a lot of food to feed. So we've got Shane on the line from the Hunter Wetlands. Hi, Shane. Hey, Danny, how you going, mate? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining us to t- today to talk about your fairly new arrival, your new pet, which is the crocodile. Yeah, yeah, sure have. We've got two freshwater crocodiles up here at the Hunter Wetland Centre. Oh, two of them? Yeah, yeah, we've got two, yeah. So, yep. um, okay, well, what, how big are they? Uh, mate, they're about seven, uh, about six, uh, about uh, 60, 60 centimetres, 60, 70 centimetres at the moment, mate. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're so relatively very, small at the moment. Yeah, relatively small. Still, still will give you a nice bite if they got hold of you. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what type are they? Mate, they're a freshwater crocodile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So we got these, uh, them guys from a Kerrang uh, crocodile farm up yep. in top of um, Australia there, yeah. So, okay. yeah. And got one nasty one and one's really nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, does that mean maybe there's one male, one female, or...? I'm not sure about the sex at the moment, mate, because yep. we've only had the guys for about two months at the moment. Okay. We did have smaller ones, but they were just too small for our enclosures, so we sent them guys back and got some larger ones. Okay. Yeah, so what we're going to do, we're going to have the vet come out from um, uh, Sugar Valley Zoo. He, Mark Simpson, he's going to come out. Oh, and he's gonna, Yeah, sex here. Oh, crocodile, so then we'll be, we know what, uh, whether they're male or female. Oh, well, we've had Dr. Mark on the show a number of times, so he's going to sex them. That's a bit of a fun job, sexing yeah, no, Crocodiles. I, I wouldn't imagine he'd get to deal with crocodiles too many, you know, too many times a week down down these parts of Australia. You'd want to make sure you go the right end. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> mate. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, in terms of the types of crocodiles, you've got saltwater and freshwater. What's well, what's the difference, and how how does that work? Well, basically, mate, the uh, saltwater crocodile's a lot larger, mm-hmm. and he he likes to eat man, so he'll he'll take a lot bigger prey. And basically, he can live up, you know, he, he can swim and lives in the beaches. He swims in, you know, in all rivers. Now, he's not necessarily bound to salt water either. He can go into freshwater too as well. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so they're a lot bigger, whereas the salt, uh, freshwater, they're a lot smaller. And basically, they're not man-eaters, so they won't, they rarely attack man. Um, you won't be lucky to get close enough to them in the wild, sort of. Yeah, and so they get about three metres probably in full. And they can only have basically about 22% uh, maximum in, in the salinity of the water they can be in, mate. So, yeah. Oh, okay, so they yeah. can't go yeah, into... You won't find them guys in the beaches, no. Oh, okay, I see. What do they eat? Basically, because of the size of them at the moment, I'm just feeding them small pieces of chicken necks, mm-hmm. um, little frozen pinky mice that we buy from you guys at the pet shop there, boys. Yep. 
Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, and just so many little um, strips of meat at the moment, mate. Yeah. So. Do, they, do they have a particular favourite? <laughs> Not really. I try to mix it up a bit so, for them. Yeah. For so them. They, they, don't, they don't mind the uh, pinkies at the moment because they get the bit of a crunch. I'd imagine when they bite into them. So, being the environment, we know where they come from. How do you uh, try to imitate that environment uh, at the wetlands there for them? Basically, mate, we've got an enclosure. It's about three metres by three metres. And what we've tried to do in there, we've got a series of fans and heaters and heater lights in there. And basically, I've recreated Darwin in there, mate. So, oh, okay. Yeah, high humidity, high temperatures. You walk in there, and even though it's winter now, you walk in the enclosure and you're, you're almost sweating straight away. So, oh, okay. Yeah, you have to, yeah, they don't, they can't be down at a low temperature. Yep. If you get down below the low 20s, they can't be down sort of that temperature. All right. So they have to be right up at the high temperature. Now, What's the difference between a crocodile and an alligator, for example? Basically, a uh, crocodile, mate, being the, the area they come from, crocodiles are American, South American, and basically they can tolerate colder temperatures, and they're a lot bigger than our, uh, compared to the salt water, uh, fresh water, they're a lot bigger. Yes. Uh, but pretty much a little, probably a little bit smaller than the salt water as they grow. But temperament too, mate, they're fine. Compared to the, our crocodiles, they're basically, I, I call them big blue tongues with teeth, mate. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, they I, I think they're beautiful creatures. <laughs> Trust yeah. you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and how, with the crocodiles that you have there, what's the expected life expectancy? Oh, mate, mate they could, my guys would probably live up to about 70 to 100 years old, these oh, guys, yeah. Wow. Yep, anywhere from there, so... Yeah, so quite a long time, mate. So, but because I do shows here at the Whitmers with them, I can, we can only have them here at 1.2 meters, mm-hmm. and then we have to, um, yeah, swap them over for some smaller ones. Oh, I see. Yeah. So they're there on display. So if, if anyone wants to go and have a look at them, they can do that over the week or during the week. Take the kids along. Yes, of course they can. Yep, every yep. day we have um, tank talks up here at the wetlands at about 11 o'clock. So yep. if you want to come and see them, guys, come up and we can get a freshwater crocodile out and pat. Excellent. Oh. <laughs> well, th- thanks for that, Shane. Great to talk to you. My pleasure, Danny. That is good. That is interesting too. In the United States, they have a lot of issues with the the uh, alligators and getting down into the sewers and and things like that and, and coming up through streets. And that does that happen in Australia, like up in the th- North Coast and <coughs> up in Darwin and places like that? With the yeah, young, I think crocodiles? I think obviously there's a there's a very good public program around um, built up areas or populated areas. And where we've heard reports in the past is where people have strayed outside and they've disobeyed. Um, signage related to the saltwater croc. The freshwater croc obviously um, is not going to cause us too much trouble. But mm. uh, And these little guys, how great's that? Yeah. So we're going to get to see them grow up a bit over the next few years, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Worthwhile to go and have a look. Yeah. I so what do we great. think? if? What if they have a, a boy and a girl? What's going to... Can they bring one in here? Do you oh, well... <laughs> I think as long as it's kept inside that, what did he say it was Recreate, recreating Darwin in he an enclosure? He recreates it through a hessian bag, doesn't he? Well done. Well, I can just imagine. You yeah. know how David loved to have the ferret around his neck. Oh, I'd, I'd love how that. How about a crocodile around your neck? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe on my feet as a boot. <laughs> oh, Dave. This oh, is no, that's alligator. This sorry, is pet chat. Yeah, sorry. yeah. That's alligator. I jest, you know. I jest. But it's interesting because Jeez, you people... cut up rough, don't you? Oh, I try to have a joke. He's cut up real rough over here. You're pushing my buttons, Dave. You're pushing my buttons. No, it's um, it's great, and I I think the uh, the facilities that are in our local area, like the wetlands and Blackbutt Reserve, look, people have got to get out there and enjoy them. You don't realise these things. It's right them. on our doorstep. So yeah. go along and have a look. I think that's great. Right, yeah. We've got another special guest coming your way. He's a vet. He could be my favourite vet after that last comment from Dr. David. <laughs> Dr. Harry Cooper coming our way in around five minutes here at two in URFM for Pet Chat this afternoon. Dr. Harry Cooper, good afternoon. 
How are you, mate? Good? Feeling great. Nice to have you there. You've been busy. Well, I'm not too far up the road from you guys. I live uh, on the mid-north coast these days, uh, somewhere near Tauri, so uh, I'm enjoying the beautiful sunshine. I didn't enjoy the cold morning this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Had a good frost out my way. But, uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic, mate. So I left Tasmania about oh, 10 or 11 months ago and moved to God's country. Good move. <laughs> good move. Hi, Dr. Harry. It's Dr. David Tabret here. How are you? Good, Dave. Um, now, you're, you're up in the area filming for Better Homes and Garden. You, look, you've been on our TV screens for oh, decades now. You've I don't done... feel that old. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. We'll <laughs> get to that. So are you, are you often on the road with the uh, television program? David, I, I tend to film about one week in every two. Mm. Um, not only television, but uh, also attending um, sort of other events like agricultural shows, uh, pet expos. And I do a fair bit of after-dinner speaking as well. So I'd be lucky to be home on average um, one day in every three these days. I'm super busy, but I enjoy it. I love getting out and about and talking to people. So I'll be filming. Um, we've got a, uh, a big bunny thing on this weekend, and then I'll be filming for the rest of the week in and around your area down as far as Newcastle, I think. So looking forward to it. Now, this oh. is a great chance for us to come along, meet you, meet the team, get an autograph, say hello, maybe a photo. Exactly. Now, uh, the whole team will be there Saturday and Sunday. I'll be there from uh, Saturday lunchtime right through to the uh, close of play, as they say, on Sunday. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, look forward to saying hello to everybody. And we've got some uh, demonstrations and uh, a couple of live bits that we're going to go uh, to air on uh, Sunday. So, uh, yeah, come along, be part of the audience. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be there, all of us, signing autographs, talking to you about your problems, all of that sort of stuff. Yep. Now, Dr. Oh. Harry, in your early days as a young fella, you used to love budgies. Is that correct? Well, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago, actually. I started off with my first budgery go when I was about 12, and uh, I enjoyed the hobby probably right up until the time uh, I moved to Tasmania. So I probably had budgery guards for uh, well over 35 years. And uh, I'm lucky that I've moved into an area up here where there's uh, two or three budgery guard breeders, so I can enjoy their birds without having to worry about them myself. Did, and, did that branch uh, off into your love? Your love of animals there branched from that, so that led to becoming a vet? Yeah, I think I was always going to be a vet. Uh, my brother's a vet too, so uh, probably because uh, our father was actually indentured in, back in the days when he was young. Um, there were no such things as veterinary schools, and you actually became indentured or apprenticed um, to a practicing vet. And uh, he took that on for the first 12 months, and then he had a fortnight's holiday, and he went to earn some money like most struggling students. He didn't have any money, so uh, he went to earn some money at a shipping company, and he never went back. So I guess my brother and I sort of metamorphosed as his um, uncompleted or unfulfilled desire to be a vet. Ah, very good. Now, Dr. Harry, look, I find when our callers ring in on the show, primarily we're talking to them about pets with skin problems or behaviour problems. How does that gel? Does that fit with the sort of things that you consult with people on? Is that the sort of range of problems that you that commonly see? I would agree with you. They're the two commonest problems that I see. Mm. And when people come to talk to me at events, you know, they're the two things they want to bring up. The fact that their dog scratches or bites its feet uh, or that their dog has some sort of behavioural problem which usually relates to boredom or to um, some form of separation anxiety. And uh, it's very difficult sometimes to, uh, to tell the owners that they're actually responsible for this whole problem. Uh, uh, yes. They either chose the wrong dog or they... Uh, the way in which they handle the dog is completely wrong and uh, they've got to um, change their ways. But uh, it's easier to change the dog than it is to change the person, believe you me. Yeah, good advice. Dr Harry, it's Danny here. What I was going to ask you is, what pets do you currently have at home? 
Oh, Denny, I've only got one actual pet as such, and that's a Border Collie. And she's 12, so she's getting on for a Border Collie. Yep. Um, she's a little bit arthritic in her left, uh, left front leg, but uh, we use some pentazan polysulfate. That keeps her going pretty well. She gets that twice a year. And uh, she's pretty mobile, even on a frosty morning like this morning. So 12, as I said, is getting on for a Border Collie. She said uh, about three or four litters of pups produced some really good uh, working dogs down in Tasmania. A couple of them went on to um, win Australian... Um, Sheepdog trial, so she was a very good brood bitch from that point of view. She herself hates sheep. Now, Dr. Harry, over the years... So I've got horses. Horses? I've got about three pregnant mares coming up this afternoon all the way from Kemmerer Grange to um, lodge on the farm, and uh, I've got about... I think we'll, we'll fold down about 14 or 15 mares this year if everything goes well. Over the years, Dr. Harry, what would have been the hardest animal that you've had to diagnose? Uh, I think the hard the, the animals <laughs> that I really have a, have a sort of a, well, what's I have a hate for, but uh, the animals I, I, I dislike treating most obviously crocodiles. I'm not much on them, <laughs> and uh, camels I found to be very hard to treat over the years because they, <laughs> they hate pain. Uh, <laughs> they're the greatest source, so and they never start to do anything that might hurt them a little bit. They just sort of give up the ghost, and uh, so I've had a funny couple of funny stories about camels over the years. But look, uh, I think the, the animal I've probably enjoyed treating more than anything else. Um, were dolphins back in the days before um, Taronga Zoo actually had um, a veterinarian, and that was Sydney Zoo, and uh, my practice used to go out and do most of their work and having to vaccinate some dolphins uh, while they were just having a hose virtually sprayed on them, and uh, you can only vaccinate them in one place, and that's in behind the dorsal fin, and you put it in anywhere else and it flies straight out the same hole again. <laughs> so uh, they were a fascinating animal because they were sort of turning around laughing at me the whole time I was doing the job. <laughs> But uh, we were also, uh, my clinic at Glasgow was also uh, the clinic for the Russian circus when they came out to Australia. So um, I've managed to amputate the, uh, a toe from a uh, Siberian tiger and remove a tooth from a, uh, a large brown bear. So they were pretty challenging uh, times and they were back, well, I've been graduated 45 years now, so 40 years ago, um, my colleague will remember that we didn't have half the drugs that we've got available to us today to use and uh, we just... Uh, in those days, it was a bit James Herriot-like. We had to fly by the seat of our pants, and no one knew quite how much anaesthetic you could give a bear, so he just went very, very carefully <laughs> and proceeded with all caution, and uh, thankfully you got the job done. But, uh, yeah, they were great experiences in those days, and you, you, you had to really just pick your way through it and, and just take it steady. And you got there in the end. You got there. Um, i tell you what, that's a, some great stories and a world of experience. So is retirement looming for you? Are you... Ready to hang up the cap, Dr. Harry, or is it, uh, it still appeals to you and still excites you every day when you get out there with the animals? You know, mate, I, I, I don't think I'll ever retire. I'm, hopefully I can slow down a bit as time comes when the old bones start to ache a bit more than they're doing at the moment. But uh, I spent a lot of my time with um, greyhounds and uh, caged birds. Um, I like both of those, and of course of late... Um, with behavioural problems in animals too. So, mm. yes, I'd like to be able to, you know, keep going once television finishes, maybe two or three days a week, something like that, just on a part-time basis. I'd miss it. Um, I'm a vet who sort of grew up in the old school, I suppose, where we, we, were, we, we just wanted to be vets so much it didn't matter. And we just recently celebrated, as I said, our 45th anniversary. And uh, of, of those of us who are under the age of 70, um, probably 75% of us are still in some sort of practice. Yeah. Oh, now, now Dr. Harry, you mentioned your practice in the early years there. What would be the weirdest call-out that you ever had to take from your practice? Apart from the bears and the tiger, I would have thought that was pretty weird. Uh, look, I, I've been to see some terrible things, I suppose. I, 
one of the worst things I ever saw was uh, a horse that had um, collided with a, a milk lorry at uh, Harold Park one morning um, in the pitch dark and uh, the horse had sort of shied at this lorry and um, hit the side of the lorry and uh, it, it's almost though you're taking, I don't want to turn your visitors off, or your listeners off rather, but it's almost though you're taking a knife and uh, just cut from the horse's hind leg to the base of the neck and just peeled the skin off. There was about probably, I don't know, mm. foot and a half, two foot of skin just hanging there the whole length of the horse from one end to the other and the horse just of course stood there you know shaking in shock and um, it was a, a job to put it all back, back together again but believe it or not all credit to the horse and to the guy who owned the horse and who did all the right things by it it healed uh, with remarkably little scarring because it had only taken the skin off mm-hmm. it hadn't taken any uh, muscle tissue or anything like that that's one of the most horrific things i think i've ever been to in my life but uh, i did spend a lot of time treating uh, birds of prey uh, in uh, my practice in Glasgow because uh, we at one stage had a whole group of falconers who were brought out from um, the United Kingdom to try and get rid of the seagull problem at uh, Sydney Kingsford Airport. And uh, they had uh, oh, about four people on this team. They work with um, peregrines and black and brown falcons to try and uh, frighten the seagulls away from the airport. So they were really interesting because uh, falconry is a, is a wonderful sport. Uh, of course, it's illegal in just about every country in the world except the Middle East these days. Mm. But uh, the sort of, uh, uh, what shall I say, all the trappings that go with it, the little hoods on the birds and the jesses on their legs and the little bells and all this sort of stuff, it, it really is quite a fascinating hobby. And uh, these birds would come into the practice, and I knew they were coming because uh, you could see the uh, Commonwealth of Australia car pull up. It was always a, a uh, station wagon, and it didn't have a back seat. It had what we call a stoop which is a big long perch across the back seat and this girl would reach in with a gloved hand and pull out a bird and you could hear the bells tinkling and of course everybody <laughs> in the waiting room would gravitate to the opposite end while she sat there with this bird on her fist. But you could do anything with the birds, they were fantastic and birds of prey truly are magnificent animals and everybody worries about their beak but the beak's the one thing you don't have to worry about. Mm. Yes, it'll give you a nasty bite but the claws, the mm. talons are what will really do all the damage. And, and that's the case with any bird, actually. And uh, just a word of warning to all the listeners who go to pick up an injured bird, um, grab its legs. Grab its legs, because otherwise the legs will grab you. Yep. And the more you try and pull away, oh, the tighter yeah. the bird will grab, and yeah. they can hurt yep. really badly. So uh, legs first, head second. Yep. Now, Dr. Harry Cooper, you and the Better Homes and Gardens crew in our area, you'll be at Bunnings, Port Stephens. When will this be? When, will, when can we come and see you and get those photos and autographs and say hello? Okay, the whole team, the, the event's going to start on uh, Saturday morning. So the, the, we'll be going in shifts, if you like. Um, I think probably half the team will be there Saturday morning. I'll get there about Saturday lunchtime, and there'll probably be about half the team left by Sunday afternoon. So um, you might have to come two days. Yeah. As soon as you don't have to buy anything, you know. You can just come and say good day. No problem at all there. Get some autographs. And uh, we're happy to chat to you about all your little problems, uh, uh, whatever they might be. And uh, I've always said I could train most things except wives, so uh, I'll have a go at it. <laughs> we thank you for your time. We're looking forward to having you in the area. That's great news. Thanks, Dr. Harry. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. As I say, it's not too far down the road, so a quick drive in the car and I'll be there. And uh, if the weather stays like it's been for the last few days, we will have a fantastic weekend and I'm looking forward to it. He's hoping it's that way. Dr. Harry Cooper joining us from Better Homes and Gardens. There's a chance for you to catch up and see him and the entire team this weekend. And great to have him on Pet Chat. What do you think, guys? Oh, yeah, just great. The experience is, um, 
There's some great stories. Tells a good story. Great there, too, stories. Yeah. 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 Now, yes. we need some of our callers. We've got some time for you to get through right now. 49216216. What would you like to ask our vet, Dr. David Tabret, about your pet? Go to the phones now. A free line waiting there for you. 49216216. While we wait on you to give us a call, you've brought in some great products for us today. Danny, what have you got? I, I have, actually, David. Um, talking about animal behavioural issues, sometimes when we've got a dog or a puppy which gets a bit bored at home while the owners are away at work, there's a couple of toys that I've got here that are excellent to keep them entertained. One is an indoor toy, one is an outdoor toy, but they basically work the same. So it's a puppy pull. So what happens is is that, say, for indoor toy for dogs that are kept indoors, you can hang this to the, uh, the, the door the the architraves on the door and it it's got like a bungee strap and it bounces up and down it's got a toy on the end of it it's got a bell as you can hear uh, and that way the dog will be able to pull it let it go <laughs> it'll fly in different areas come back and pull it and catch it yep. keeps him busy Love it. the outdoor unit you just hang on to a branch of a tree or a part of the yep. veranda yep. and it does the same, same kind same of thing, thing. Same yeah. yeah yeah so it just keeps them busy a bit more interactive toy while you're away at work for the dog. Right, yeah, that is called the Puppy Pool. Puppy yep. Pool, yeah. Indoor and outdoor. A couple indoor of good products outdoor. there, indoor and outdoor. One you can check out if you've got a, a puppy there or a, a dog, a young dog that you want to keep them entertained a bit while you head outside. Let's take some calls now, 49216216, if you'd like to get through for Pet Chat and talk to our vet, Dr. David Tabret. Let's make our way to Maryville. Deanne, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Very good. What would you like to talk about? Um, I've got a... Um Jack Russell Cross Mini Fox Terrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's about eight years old, mm-hmm. and she's having turns. Um, she gets hunched up, goes stiff, um, dribbles. It lasts for a couple of minutes, and then she comes right. Have okay. you any ideas what it may be? Now, when she does this, does she fall over? No. Oh. Uh, the first time I sort of helped her down onto the ground, yeah. um, this she's only had it twice, and they've been 18 months apart. The first time she had it, I did call a vet, mm-hmm. but by the time the vet got there, she was, you know, really quite happy and running around, and yep. everything was okay. Yep. I do lay her down if I can. Okay. Well, um, there's a, no, a number of things that could cause that. I guess the concerns I would have is deciding whether it's a neurological problem, whether it's a muscular problem like a spasm in the muscle. Uh, the other area that would be concerned would be um, if there's any sort of colic or abdominal pain could cause those sort of similar symptoms. Um, the neurological problems, sometimes we see seizures occurring in this sort of way. Now, we tend to think that a seizure is like a convulsion, and it certainly can be, but we also get these what's called partial complex motor seizures or um, absent seizures or in different ways. And what happens is that the dogs uh, might get um, spasm in one area, but it's not an actual muscle problem, it's a brain problem, and it's a type of epilepsy or seizures caused from another uh, you know, um, cause. Uh, if it's only if it's only happened this sort of twice and it's eighteen months apart, probably you know, in terms of like seizures and things like that, we wouldn't get too worried. Right. But it, if it starts to occur more frequently, then I think I would see get her assessed for back pain and abdominal problems. Right. So if she's got problems associated with digestion, vomiting, and diarrhoea, or related to the gut. 
then that could um, be what's causing this. But we can also see it with other things, not gastrointestinal, but still in the abdomen, things like kidney stones. Um, and although it's rare, they, dogs also can get gallstones. Um, All right. So, there, you know, there's like liver, kidney, gut, back, brain, uh, any one of those sort of things um, could be involved. So probably a bit hard to say which area to be focused on, but certainly keep a diary of how often these events occur. Right. Because that's going to be one of the critical things. If you go to the vet and say, look, it's happened four times, these are the occasions. Um, the last two are only, you know, six weeks apart. Prior to that, it was 12 months, etc. Then obviously we need to look harder into what's going on. But it might be one of those complicated things where we need a few more, um, you know, an examination, query x-ray or blood test to really get to the bottom of it. All right. Well, mm. she does, when she burps, she... Um She'll bring up a bit of fluid quite often. Mm, okay. So that, that could be part of it, um, but that's not unusual for some pets as well. So I think you've got to put it all together and then, uh, as I said, keep a diary, see how frequently it's occurring. And certainly it's worthwhile to go in at least once a year to your vet, have a regular checkup, and maybe at uh, this age, probably a blood test for liver and kidney function just to make sure that's going okay as well. All right, Deanne, good luck with that. Thank you for giving us a call. 49216216 is our phone number. We're going to the calls right now to Gwendolyn. Hello, Bill, how are you doing? Not too bad, thanks, and yourself? Very good. What about this little Jack Russell? How old and is it a boy or a girl? It's a five-year-old girl. Right, oh, Bill, what's going on with your little one? Well, some cats it likes and some it doesn't. <laughs> oh. And uh, I'm going up to a friend's place at Taree on a farm, and they've got a cat that lives inside 24-7. Right. Now, if my little dog does the wrong thing, yeah. what do I do? Hit it, scream at it, or no. put up with it? Time out. That's what we do. We give them a time-out spot. Um, very often, uh, in the, I mean, in that environment, the cat's going to be really confident of well, its... Of its I've had a, a poodle before and taken up there, and yep. they eat off the same dish, and they love each other. But well, <laughs> hopefully they come to some agreement. Maybe we need some sort of mediation session beforehand, lay down the rules. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're in, in their house, so... Let's uh, let's lay it out. You've got to behave yourself. You don't necessarily have to share the plate, but um, it's cats and dogs. There's this myth about this, uh, you know, that they they mortal enemies and so on. But as everyone who owns a cat and dog knows, um, they uh, they often spend a lot of time together and and quite comfortable to live together. Um, but well, the first thing is let's hope he doesn't get upset. If he does, uh, then I think um, the cat's going to uh, probably. Um, be the dominant one and well, it's, it's the dog it's the cat's house <laughs> that's right that's right so what we do is time out so without making too much of a fuss you can pick your dog up and go and place it either in an area where it's not going to get any attention for five minutes yeah so you don't scold it or anything you don't hit it or crack no. it or scream at it <laughs> no don't do any of that because in some way it actually sort of uh, gives the dog a sense of, oh, well, I've got your attention and that's okay because you're talking to me. So whereas if yeah. you put it in an area and nobody talks to it, after a while he realises, hang on a second, every time I um, go to do something to the cat and push him out of the way or growl at him, I'm going to get put in this place on my own, yeah, then uh, she'll, she'll work it out that uh, being friendly to the household is the best way to go. 
We're doing Pet Chat. We do it every Wednesday afternoon between midday and one. I've got our vet, Dr. David Tabbert, and Denny Boz here. Now, Denny, is there any events on locally this weekend? I'm all dry this weekend. There's nothing happening that nothing, I know of. No events. No. Nothing going on. That's Before it. we go too much further, I <laughs> wanted to comment on a great movie that we hosted last week, and it was fantastic. Thank you to your team, the two ladies who came along, and they had a little poodle with them. That, that's right. That's the groomers. That was fantastic. <laughs> Everybody that came along loved it. And the movie's called Red Dog. Yeah. That was a great show. I think there loved wasn't it. a dry eye in the house after. Yeah, we needed what? the tissues, didn't I we? Everyone was sniffling. And, I saw uh, Dave Cochran was uh, dabbing at his... No, I was okay. Was it, well, yeah? That was Ian Crouch. He was behind me. He oh. was a mess. He <laughs> was a dribbling mess, crying. Oh, Crouchy. Very emotional, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know. I thought there was a young teenage girl crying behind me. I looked around, it was Ian Crouch. I was, oh... Can I, can I tell you, bef- him, I before you sink yourself further into problems there, Dave, um, it's uh, August is Pet Dental Health Month, and... Um, as part of that, the Australian Veterinary Association, through the uh, Dental uh, Special Interest Group, are talking about um, being able to look after your pet's teeth. And uh, the incidence of dental disease in pets over the age of three is around about 80%. So this is a big issue for people. Um, the thing about teeth and gums is that it provides a way for bacteria to get into the body. So apart from the actual problem of bad breath or cracked teeth and so on and pain, it's also a way for systemic illness to get in there. And one of the things people can do is make sure that they get their uh, pets, um, cats and dogs, uh, get their teeth checked and uh, they might need regular cleaning, look at their diet. And believe it or not, talking about different animals, uh, over at San Francisco Zoo, dentists have helped uh, remove an abscessed tooth from a 30-year-old silverback gorilla called OJ. Yeah. Not O.J. Simpson. And apparently last year O.J. did have root canal therapy as well. But um, as part of dental health... He's got a better dental pain than me. If you go on to Huffing- Huffington Post and have a look for the 800-pound gorilla, apparent, Oscar Jones, Johnsy is his name, uh, as part of this uh, pet dental health, there's a number of workshops for vets to attend, upgrade their skills, and uh, there are some... Um, promotions happening in various clinics and it's a good time if you take your pet in get their teeth checked give them uh, uh, make sure a nice pearly whites there you go yeah and can you could you brush them with like an like a, a normal toothbrush yeah, yeah. We well a, you can a soft soft tip you one? can not always the easiest thing to do but get this you can get toothpaste for dogs oh comes in beef chicken and cat. No, oh. it doesn't come in cat flavour. <laughs> that's silly. And you can get uh, toothbrushes for dogs. You can get toothbrushes, yeah, thimble-type yes, ones and things right. like that. Um, so it's a really good idea to uh, have a look at that at this Being month. that it's dental month as well, in most pet stores or all good pet stores, you might find, you should be able to find some dental products that are, are cheaper or on sale and, and food. What about a, a product? Food, can you get a chewing product that can chew, that can help yeah. shrink oh, their teeth up yeah. Look, one of the problems we see, I often see pets that come in that have got either bones caught in their mouth or they've cracked their teeth. And uh, we often get dogs come in and they've got this bone wedged across the roof of their mouth or it's along the jaw over the mm. teeth. And this is what happens when you give your dog... Uh, a bone that's been cut. So even though the butcher might say, oh, we'll cut the bone, he can get the marrow out. First of all, marrow is mostly fat, so they get a tummy upset. Secondly, then it gets wedged in their mouth. So my, my rule is no cut bones, no cooked bones. Righty, a great tip there. And we might talk a little bit more with this being Dental Month. Absolutely. In the next week or two about that. Thank you very much, Denny. Thank you. Denny Boz joining us. Our vet, Dr. David Tabbert. Have a great week. You too. You'll be Thank back you. with us next Wednesday afternoon.